Project Lawful aka Plane Crash by Yarwain aka Eliezer Yudkowski and Lintamande. Thread 4, Project Lawful and Their Oblivious Boyfriend. Episode 80. It is not a long wait. When Prince Merenre walks in, the woman kneels. He is a man of average height, slightly balding, with a distinctly ruddy complexion which one wouldn't expect on one with his garandi bronze skin. He's very lavishly dressed, of course, though an observant person will notice the hems of his sleeves are stained with ink. He nods at the woman, and she removes her earrings. Darina, after some previous unfortunate life experiences, will wait to be addressed before speaking. She does not fail to notice the ink-stained sleeve hems. It is a good sign. For reasons of secrecy, I was told almost nothing of why I'm called here, he says, and sits. At another gesture from him, the woman sits as well, at an angle such that she can barely see them. I take it there's some urgency? Will our words be heard by the two of us alone now? I strongly believe so, and have never to my knowledge been wrong on that within the walls of this palace. It is said that gods can scry the dome if determined enough, but not any man, any mortal. I am Darina, dispatched to this errand by a vision sent of Irori. On request, I am given to understand of Abadar. For purposes of my being very sure that I am in the right place and speaking to the right person, I must convey to you a warning whose understanding is a test. Irori is a god. My being here is therefore the result of a god's intervention. All the information I have for you, if you act on it, will mean that act stems from a god's intervention. Not only my god, but also yours. I would have you riddle to me the true meaning of this warning. It can't inspire any action in the interdiction zone, he says immediately. This office, and that above me, have a policy of ordering none anyway, that Abadar may speak with us more freely. Aye. And to speak truly freely, can you tell me the name of the goddess whose purpose is hidden? Otolmens, whose interdiction we speak of. He folds his arms, looking suddenly tired. The tiredness is also reassuring. Here, then, is the information that I am sent with, for you, as best a divine vision can be passed down to a mortal in the first place, and then put by her into words. There is a cleric of Abadar who should not be where he is, striving to overcome his own displacement. Looking about that cleric, Irori found that one woman there had set her foot upon the way from hearing him speak. I do not know what it was that woman heard. For my own part, I would give much to meet her or this cleric, and ask whatever it was she heard. It was enough for Irori to take great interest and to act to ensure that the woman not be hindered along her own way. I am not sure, but I would guess perhaps guided by vision, that this would probably involve a new bargain or old compact or favor called with hell, which would allow her to leave Cheliax in time and without her being required to sell them her soul. There's more, but she'll pause if Marin Ray is, for example, writing this down or asking questions. 
He's writing it down. He's not yet asking questions. When he stops writing, she will continue in speaking. When next Irori looked upon this woman, she was in pain and utmost terror, far from her teacher, and with a being of power and evil about her, believing herself to stand in danger of her eternity being taken from her. Not damned, but lost entirely. With everything she was, she strove to avoid that fate, without hope and yet harder than most mortals ever strive for anything in all their lives. Irori feared that he had been responsible for that, and so he, I am not sure here, he did something to her, to try to save her from her worst fate. I think he was trying to convey to me that it should not have been an intervention that would affect the interdiction zone, because she was due to be lost, somehow, thrown away. But now Irori would be able to undo that loss, eventually. And then shortly later, the woman was apparently fine, not scarred in any way visible to Irori by that utmost pain and terror, like her trial and torment had been somehow undone. And she was once more in the company of your stray cleric, her teacher. There was a fearful consequence of this that was unclear to me. I think possibly Otolman's was upset. Does he? I know gods often don't know her name. If Irori knows, it cannot be said to me through the bond we share. The woman's name is not a meaningful thing within her way. It is nothing to any trial she has undergone or path she has walked. If her name was elsewise, her way would be the same. To be clear, that last was my own answer and not Irori's. I understand. I will explain my question further, and what other methods might answer it, when you've finished then. The woman is, however, known to you, because of a compact upon a compact upon her soul. It was painful for Irori to convey that much to me. It is a concept of Abadar's and not Irori's. But it is how she is already known to you. That is all that I know to say, that I have already put into words. Aha, thank you. Carissa Siva, her name is, and our cleric signed his, is it a he? To the compact as Keltham. Hmm, yes. I believe that much was made clear to me now that you point that out. That Keltham is male is then important to either his way or that of Carissa Savars, and likewise that she is female. The Prince of Osirian looks utterly unsurprised by that being important to someone's way. Cheliax handed him a bunch of girls, we think. There are some obvious possible explanations. Go on. I have reached the end of what I know how to say. Possibly not the questions I could answer, if you can find some question that is about their ways and how they walk them, which proves to be in the knowledge I was given. Would you like a summary of what we know and what we are seeking to know, in case it inspires some further clarification or is useful to you in its own right? I have little personal stake in all these matters, beyond my desire to complete Irori's errand and my curiosity as to whatever teaching so inspired Carissa Savar, if there is any way for me to learn more of that. I might hear out that summary in order to complete Irori's errand as thoroughly as may be done. 
but not if it confines me to Osirian thereafter. He nods. It is my judgment that Abada must have paid for this errand, but that Irori has interests that lie here as well, and I think none of those are served by your sharing with Cheliaks, or with those who might report to them what we have learned. But if I have assurance of your discretion, I will share what we know. And with or without that assurance, I would not expect I have the means to bribe you to remain here if your path, in your mind, leads somewhere else. I was already treating this errand as quite confidential. You have that assurance. It is wholly covered by determinations I have already made. If you do know what Carissa Savar learned, or there is a prospect of speaking to her or Keltham shortly, it would not be hard for you to alter where I saw my path as leading me. Nor shall I be especially upset or disbelieving if it is expressed to me that you think Irori's errand can be a little more thoroughly completed by tarrying a week to fail to answer more questions. She hasn't tried any magic in the Black Dome as yet, but if it's hard to learn, she wants to learn it. I only have guesses as to what Keltham is and what he could have taught her, Merenre says. And I need to re-estimate those guesses with this new information, which will take me some time. I could give you an approximation now, or a better answer tomorrow. I should speak to the pharaoh also, and you may if you wish to. It is our very dear desire to welcome Keltham here, but we know of no particular reason he'd arrive tomorrow, or next week. If you'd like, we can notify you when he does. Mortal memories do fade in time and this vision is fresh in me now as it may not be later. I came to Sothis by teleportation and did not tarry much along my way to you. We are still less than three hours from when I received Irori's thought. Were I you, I think I would speak of those guesses now. And yes, I should be much grateful for ascending if Keltham or Carissa Savar should appear here, or indeed any other students either may have taught. Is pay needful for that? I think it would make only a small part of what we owe you, rather. Our primary theories of Keltham are either that he discovered some trove of knowledge on his own initiative, or that he came here from another world or another time where or when such knowledge is commonplace, and that the knowledge includes much of the secrets the gods are forbidden from speaking of, to mortals or even to their own followers or maybe some power that allows stealing that knowledge. Getting copies of books that are destroyed, for example, or books from the first vault, or books from another world or another time. He didn't exist, to the eyes of Golarion's gods, a week ago. Abadar, immediately on noticing him, paid Asmodeus not to engage in any of the misconduct to which Asmodeus and his followers tend, and the Asmodeans took Keltham to a secret facility for a secret project they are calling Project Lawful. For some reason, the primary participants in it are Carissa Siva, a former Third Circle weapons enchanter at the World Wound, who may be the first person to have run across Keltham, and nine girls from the graduating class at Ostenso's Academy of Magic, who by now are rumored in Cheliacs to have spectacular powers, and indeed seem to. Pause for questions. Keltham is out of his accustomed place and striving to overcome the disadvantage at which that places him, and also striving to use what that makes him. Another world, another time, either would fit. 
I suppose that to gain a strange power might also remove a man from his accustomed place, in the order of things, but that does not feel right. It is not enough to describe Keltham. What sort of spectacular powers? The most bizarre rumor out of Cheliax was that in the palace in Igorian, any time a surprising thing happened to you, a project lawful girl would show up with cake. Delicious cake. It seemed ridiculously improbable to us, but possible to check, which many of the rumors weren't. So we sent a team to quietly and legally book an in-room near the palace and planned to contact them truthfully later that day with the news that one of them, whose wife was in labor when they departed, had just become a new father. The cake girl showed up. We'd intended to plane shift out with her and ask her if she'd defect for any price. She was dimension anchored, counterspelled the team's attempted teleport out without her, insisted they all eat some cake and then left. Igorian is not within the interdiction zone then. Perhaps I should go to Igorian and try to learn some new trick worthy of celebration. I would not mind having some cake as the price of that conversation. Is what I might otherwise say, but it rings wrongly to me, at least as something that would be true of Carissa Sevar. For her to learn something that interested Irori, it would be a hard, long path for her to walk, by which she gained power that was truly part of herself and not grafted onto her like a cleric's powers. Keltham should not be, to Carissa Savar, somebody that she can touch like a starstone and gain the ability to counterspell teleports and hear a call for celebration. I am suspicious of whether the cake girl would appear for me, or if she did appear, would have anything truly to do with Keltham, or if she did have to do with Keltham, would know anything of his that interested Irori. That being so, it is not quite worth the risk of malediction. I appreciate that assessment. It did not seem right to us either, though it did push us towards being far more unsure what is going on. The thing that inspired Abadar to such initial concern for Keltham was a sense that Keltham saw the world in a manner more akin to Abadar's than any human alive ever has. Perhaps that confers cake-related superpowers dot dot dot. In some cases, but it isn't fundamentally about cake-related superpowers. Anyway, we are confident Keltham is back in the interdiction zone, though Project Lawful is reportedly still active in Igorian. For a brief time after the God War ended, Abadar favored and provided resources and impressions towards plans to somehow communicate with Keltham. Then he ceased participation in developing them, and Sevaris, from what Iruri observed, with Keltham. I have no idea what to make of the report that Sevar went through some horror at the hands of some powerful Chelish entity that meant to destroy her, only to emerge unharmed and rejoin Keltham only hours later. Well, the first part's not surprising. Is it possible that Irori's intervention inspired the entity to not destroy her? For some reason. Unknown to Irori, or unsaid to me. I think Irori is not puzzled only by Sevar's unexpected survival, but that she also does not bear the expected soul scars that she should have needed to overcome in order to continue on her way. He frowns at his notes, scribbles some things. They made her forget it. Or it was a test and she approved of being so tested. 
or they possess very fine control of the scars they leave on a mind and weren't aiming for those, or it's a project lawful superpower, or something I'm not thinking of. If I were going to make up my own answers, I'd guess that Keltham is out of his time, and a future worshipper of Abadar as he will then become known, perhaps with some knowledge of Irori's teachings likewise from that time. Or, no, I have said a foolish and over-worshipful thing, not Irori's teachings. The teachings from however many have by then ascended. There should be some fair number such, if their teachings are less fragmented and over-narrowed than those we have of only Irori. If there is still something time-twisted about Keltham, it might explain Savar's survival with too little harm. It might explain how the cake girl knew where to find your emissaries. To be clear, this does not feel at all like something that was told or hidden within my vision. Whether it would have been within my vision, if it were true, I can't guess. If he's out of his time, then he ought to know what Cheliax is. And we think he's deceived, unless Hell is defeated utterly by then, which would surprise me, I suppose. Oh, it would not surprise me in the least to hear that today's Cheliax is little remembered in 5,000 years. They have been around for only 70. And even Nidal, which has more centuries than every of their years, is now falling at last. That he is signing compacts upon compacts for her soul, on the other hand, you would think would be more of a tip-off. Why do you believe him deceived? Cheliax could offer much to a man out of his time if he had almost anything left in the way of worldly desire at all. We could offer most of the same without him going to hell about it. And one with valuable knowledge would not go to the church of Asmodeus to negotiate compacts for its sale, not if Asmodeus is remembered at all in their time. And Abada thinks that Keltum does not yet know the names his god is called, or anyone he could contact with sending for further questions. My current best guess about the girls is that they were part of Cheliax's offer to him, but an offer that I think must have been accompanied by some deception. I cannot see Hell defeated utterly, no, not in 5,000 years. I can imagine Asmodeus forced to renegotiate the way he treats with mortals not aligned to him. If a hundred or a thousand ascended joined with Irori to enforce that on Asmodeus. Perhaps Keltham grew up too ignorant of his time's history to realize what it meant to treat with Asmodeus in the days before his days. This does leave the question of why Keltham would not know Abadar's name. She hopes on behalf of her hosts that nothing unfortunate happened to him, but Darina herself will not mourn overmuch if it was so. I can imagine it, says Merendra, but he sounds slightly dissatisfied. I'm not sure it much reduces my confusion. The things rumored of Sevar are that she is not a third circle wizard at all. That she is the discoverer of Keltham. That she is running the whole of Project Lawful. That she is a princess of hell and devils die for speaking her name. Carissa Savar is growing at her own pace, and what she has already attained out of wizardry, if that was previously her path, she will not abandon so lightly. Whether she discovered Keltham, I cannot say. Running all of Project Lawful, 
I cannot say. Princess of Hell seems quite unlikely. I think Irori would notice and be able to say something about that. He nods, scribbles. The compact on a compact on her soul permits Keltham to buy it for 500,000 gold pieces, which is a sum almost no one alive commands. We aren't sure what to make of it. All right. Now I like them. Possibly as a couple, depending on who had which parts of that idea. You think it's about ambition? Setting herself a price that he alone in the world could possibly obtain? if he makes a great deal of progress in his aim of selling all the knowledge of his own time. I cannot speak for what it means to a cleric of Abadar, but it's an obvious guess for what it might mean to a woman of Irori. Or perhaps the huge price reflects some equally huge desperation. I speak not from within vision here. Does Siva know she cannot be forced to sell her soul? Ah, no, she might not. Probably would not. It is not the sort of thing Irori would tell her, even if Irori had a way to make himself clear about it. Irori would not urge her out of Chaliak's, only try to ensure that her own steps could carry her out in time, if that was where her way led. So perhaps she has started hoping to escape hell. Not a safe thing to hope in Chaliak's, and made arrangements with Keltham that are not threatening to Chaliak's as they look so unlikely. Or, perhaps it is meant as communication with Abadar, who can see compacts when they are properly done in the spirit of transparent trade. Of such things, I cannot say. I would wish them the best of luck in their plotting, but my wishes would be corrupted by the desire that they be anywhere outside the interdiction zone, so I can happen to wander by in search of enlightenment. We too desire that, Merenris says tiredly though mostly because it is a great harm to one with an innate instinct like Abadar's, to find themselves trading with those who will deceive them comprehensively. And, we believe, a great harm to one who would ask a country for a dozen pretty young women if they give them to him, rather than lay out by what commitments he can win them. If Keltham is the sort of man to care about that at all, one may hope he is more aware than Osirian, that it may lie within a country's power to give him the bodies of women, but that their affection he must win for himself, regardless. And if he is not so aware, well, he is yet elsewise a man whom a woman of Aurori would respect enough to look to as her teacher. Let me think on the meaning of the word and the vision. Yes. Savar is not simply or only exploiting Keltham for his knowledge. She regards herself as a student of his ways. That moves quite a lot of estimates. He notes them. Finishes doing so before he asks, You think Osirian is in error, in some regard to do with this? Wait, is she about to have to fight her way out of a palace again? I have not been in your country very long, and could not really say. I suspect that the mores of Keltham and Carissa Sevar may be rather unlike those in Osirian. You should perhaps have somebody who grew up in Cheliacs, and somebody who grew up in Absalom, maybe. Might be most like I imagine a city of the future being. Have them check over your gambler's odds in all matters regarding Keltham as a man and the wizards as women. 
It should preferably be a woman who grew up in Chelyak's, but this she is not sure she is safe to tell a prince. And that's good advice, he says, in the tone of one who means something very specific by that, and leaves a trail of marks down his paper. But I do not seek instruction only on Keltum and Carissa Seva, if you have it on other matters. I have learned more caution on some forms of instruction than others, namely of nobles inside palaces. Still, I think I should say to you, if there is anything in your way to which matters the ways of men and women, you must in time leave this black dome and journey beyond Osirion to lay your gambler's odds upon marriages in Taldor and courtesans in Absalom. I will ask my wife how she'd feel about that, he says, but without any particular defensiveness. All right, things that look more likely. Keltam is from another world, because we have now postulated that if he's from the future, then it is true both that Abadar is little known there, or perhaps gone, while his teachings are widespread, and that Asmodeus has no ill reputation, and those are weighty in themselves and do not predict each other. Sevar does not know that Irori's protection has been extended to her and is maneuvering without it. There exists a romance between her and Keltham. Keltham's world perhaps possesses the means to give people cake-related powers, but it is not the key of his significance either to Cheliax or to us. There might be other girls who, like Sevar, haven't sold their souls, though probably only if other gods purchased their protection. That should have been on there sooner. Lest I have been unclear, I do not think I am told that there is romance between Keltham and Sevar. That is only what I thought upon hearing of the compact's details and imagining what it would mean to a woman of Erori, before you observed to me that she would not know of her protection. Their ways are entangled, surely, but the only part of what I have been shown, that I have yet decoded, is that Keltham is to Sevar her own true teacher. This whole matter sounds like there might be quite the convocation of gods and mortals if they all ever get the chance to sit down and settle matters over cake. I should like to be in the room where it happens, if it happens. I apologize. I understood you. But the branch of possibilities where there exists a romance grew greatly from what you said and observed. What you said of what the compact might mean and that you said that she looks to him as a teacher, and shifts downstream of my growing confidence. Cheliax gave him the girls as part of an effort to entice him to stay in Cheliax, which itself is accumulating because we lost a great deal of credence in theories where he was like a mini star stone, or has a transmissible superpower, or discovered some clever magic trick. Most people do not learn much from seeing all the odds move together, but I can show you if you think you might. I, too, apologize, then. If your way is one that Irori can speak of so clearly to me, then it is worth a day of my pursuit, at least. Show me your revised book when the new odds are ready, and I shall bet most of the money that I carry with me, and then afterwards you may instruct me on my follies. Such would be my own guess at how I may best learn... Though, also to be clear, I expect that Abadar has paid Irori for this service in full, and you owe me no such instruction. I expect he has. 
but the right way for this is not for me to practice it alone in my office. It is for a hundred human minds to think on it from a hundred angles, and the truth to be its own teacher. And I would be delighted to have you try it. He stands, gathers his books, remembers halfway to the door. I'll have someone prepare a room for you, and you should ask of them whatever else you may require. I am interested also in the way of magic inside the Black Dome, for I can manage a cantrip or two of my own, at least. I should like to be able to leave the Black Dome and return to it, that I may have a look about the academies I saw in Suthis. And forgive me, but if it is possible, I should prefer a simpler room beyond this palace, even if within the dome. She doesn't actually have a positive dislike of fancy bedrooms, but it makes a good cover for her acquired palatiophobia. Darina is feeling better about this journey now than she was when she walked into this fancy meeting room. There were no fights along his way here, no obvious tests of her skill, other than the teleport to come here swiftly and having a few coins about herself. Now, however, she is feeling more like her real self has been well-suited to Aurori's errand, and justly deserving of more than trivial reward for trivial effort. There may have been no fell monster to slay along the way, but Darina does suspect that not many who communed with Irori could have thus focused and looked within themselves and inquired and drawn out subtleties of that vision. It is a relief, in a sense, but also an instruction in her folly for she should have known all along that it would be so. If this task would have been a challenge suitable to some Aurorian only with wealth enough to buy teleports and not much else needful about them, Irori would have given it to one such, who would have needed to exercise more effort along his way and learned something more from walking it. PL Timestamp, Day 6, Morning The morning mail arrives on the Project Lawful site, possibly now named Dragonfort. Carissa Sivar finally receives a certain lightly enchanted dagger, suitable for a county's heiress to stab anyone who commented on her appearance. It was supposed to arrive a few evenings earlier, but there was that whole Nidal attack. Asmodia is called over to the True Temple to discuss some minor security matter having to do with her family's relocation. Keltum, now refreshed by sleep and food, realizes that he's been an idiot. Kind of a massive idiot, actually. He owes some people an apology. Carissa gets word of this and is confused, honestly, which is the feeling she least likes having around Keltham. I'll go find him. He can be found in one of the High Priestess's auxiliary offices, since that would be the appropriate venue for forwarding a Carissa-approved apology. So I've now realized exactly how clearly I wasn't thinking yesterday, and this would, in Dathilan, be considered an appropriate time for a girlfriend to whap her boyfriend if she deemed that necessary or simply pleasant. Oh, okay, that's one of the best possible possibilities. She can feel some terror of what Keltham is up to now draining out of her. She offers a hug wordlessly. He'll hold off on deciding to feel comforted about that until he's actually apologized. Right, so remember why I started thinking, way, way back, that there might be a hidden cleric of Zon Kuthon somewhere in the villa. Because of the thing you couldn't explain to me because it had too many prerequisites. 
because we thought that Ioni's prophecy might have triggered the attack, and that Zon Kuthin had eyes on that. But not eyes on me, which is why they didn't know to look for me outside the villa. Right. Oh, so, once all the girls who were in the villa were cleared... It couldn't possibly have been you, Pilar, or the security who was with us. Well, no one else thought of that, either. Yeah, because I told everyone it involved mysterious, inexplicable, trope-based reasoning, and everyone gave up on questioning it. What is the Dothelani evil answer here? It was a silly mistake. If I'd believed you incapable of those, I guess I'd be changing my mind. I notice you haven't hit me for any of my silly mistakes. Nothing's coming to mind that you've done. Which is that silly? Keltham leans into her a bit, though. I at least need to inform Jacint of the update security-wise. In the increasingly incredibly unlikely-seeming eventuality that there's a trope in play, we could somehow have missed a Zonkuthon stealth cleric among one of the other girls present by Ione. Not you, not Pilar. How much of an apology is it to her and Governance? How do I give an apology like that in Cheliax? What a good question. It's not an apology to a superior, which she knows how to give. Straightforward, precise, not earning further punishment by being extra trouble to correct. Apologies to trade partners aren't... a thing. If they didn't notice the mistake that speaks poorly of them, it's not on you. She can't say that. Uh, I'd just tell her what you believe now, and that you think this should have been possible to catch sooner, and are willing to repay expenditures that happened because you didn't catch it sooner? If you are. Once you start making money, obviously, not now. Ow. Still his own fault for it. He'll go make that apology now, then. Subirax receives this apology graciously, and with perfect bluff, asks Keltham to send in Sivar a few minutes after he's done for more post-queen checkup. She needs to compose a quick report to the Grand High Priestess first, about this, and shoes him out. Subirax then silences her office and screams at the top of her lungs for half a minute, after which she feels only slightly better. Part of her is wondering if now rechecking Sivar would show that she is not anymore a hidden cleric. What this means about Keltham and tropes, Subirox can't begin to guess, she gives up. She has nothing to do except compose a report to Rugaton and await instruction. Subirox already sent off a report last night about the actually fairly alarming contents of Sevar's thought transcript, and was instructed in return that she should probably treat the continuing growth of Sevar's and Keltham's feelings as an unalterable fact of reality and try to arrange so that all roads leading there must inevitably lead Keltham to Asmodeus and Sevar away from Irori, which is not the most operationalizable advice she's ever received. If you wish to support this AI reading and others like it, please visit patreon.com slash askwhocastsai. Any help is appreciated. And thank you to executive producer John Doe 7776059.